0: Welcome to the Che and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education. Listening to Che Cheney and Pav Wonder, also known as Jim Guy and Wonder Woman.
1: Hello and welcome to the staff room. Thank you for joining us today for episode number 22 of the show. We are super excited to bring you our weekly full length episode today, and we are proud to be representing the On Podcast Media Network. Today, we'd love to have a conversation with you about some of our thoughts and our experiences on introverted learners and how they can either thrive or face difficulties in our classroom environments. We'll get into this topic, this very interesting topic, very shortly, but first I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Pav, and as all of you know, I uh, make up half of an exuberant team, and my partner, who is sitting next to me, is going to introduce himself, and his name is Che. Che, hello.
2: That's not a knife. Now that's a knife. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. Remember when we used to argue whether it was Janie and Wander?
1: Yeah, I remember that, and then you did what I asked you to do, which, <laughs> which is how it usually goes, isn't it?
2: Sorry, can we start this episode again? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is not gone according to plan.
1: No, it's fantastic. It's great. And I think I know what your reference was this time, but I'm not going to give it away because I like our Twitter game.
2: Oh, we got some stickers to give away for sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. We are definitely talking about introverted learners. And this is a topic, not that it's more important than other topics, but it's one that really hit home, hit personal for me when I think of my own growth and my own personality. So I love talking about introverted learners. You know, Pav, if having you know been on the same staff for four or five years, that this has been a talking point I have had for many, many years, many, many staff meetings talking yes. about neglect of our introverted learners or misunderstanding of our introverted learners or the not even... It's not willful. It's not even malicious. It's just the unintended consequences of, of pushing a style of learning and a lesson plan style, and we want everyone to adhere to it because we think this is where everyone should be going, and we often unintentionally neglect the introverted learner. And yes. it, this is going to be a really important, really good topic to talk about. So I am really looking forward to diving into some content, referencing some uh, things we've read, and get into the conversation.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I think it's one of the very first things that I remember about you when I very first, before I, I ever started talking to you, um, I must have been in a staff meeting where uh, you brought up the fact that you were an introvert. That you, that you felt that you were an introvert. And I thought to myself, um, you are crazy if you think you're an introvert. But we're going to get into that in, in a few minutes and talk a little bit about uh, perceptions uh, that are related to introverted learners and, um, and talk a little bit about that. But yeah, as we were preparing for this episode, I, I did say to Che, we have a lot to talk about. here. This is a really passionate topic and there's lots to discuss about this. So I'm um, very excited about this topic today.
2: Where we want to get to at the end of this episode is the idea that we really need to focus on our introverted learners and not necessarily feel that we need to push somebody into other character traits or stress other related character traits that they should be adhering to or striving for. So especially in the, the realm of group work and collaboration and class participation, we don't need all our students to be the ones that have their hand up first. We don't need all our students to be that active, strong voice in every group situation in order to feel that they are participating and, and learning with depth and so that's where we want to get to comfortable with our students being introverts and creating lesson plans and ways for introverted students to contribute in group situations, but also for them to realize and to feel valued in the way they learn. We want to celebrate introverted learning skills, introverted students, and we tend to, by neglect, celebrate extroverts and then inadvertently want our introverted learners to display the same character traits. And so that's where we want to get to at the end of this episode. We are comfortable to celebrate our introverted learners and how they learn and then differentiate our instruction to make sure that even in collaboration settings, they are able to be productive, able to have a voice, but not necessarily be the loud vocal voice.
1: Yes. and, And you said something very interesting that uh, often our uh, extroverted learners are uh, are celebrated and the introverted ones are sometimes neglected and this this neglect it is not, um, you know, an outward experience where where teachers are necessarily aware that they are neglecting the needs of some of our introverted learners. Now, there's no fault to the teachers. This is how we have learned education should be. And when we're promoting things like being in, uh, you know, working in group scenarios or, or doing presentations in front of the entire class, this is how we learned how to you know manage a classroom or this is how we learned how to assess students that every that we need to have some sort of oral uh, communication portion to our grade so we have to be able to mon- monitor how students are presenting their work and that's not necessarily the case just because we've been doing it for so many years it doesn't necessarily have to be that way in our classrooms we can set up our classrooms Uh, however you want and you mentioned that you know we have a multitude of different types of learners in our classrooms and we have to be able to accommodate for all of our learners in our room and this comes from that I think that sometimes we get hung up on this idea that oh well we have to learn how to um, do presentations because when we get older and we become adults we're all going to have to do presentations well is that necessarily true um, do we all necessarily need to be working in group settings? Is this something that we should be forcing on our students a- at the elementary school level, or at the high school level um, on a constant basis just because we think it's going to exist in the future?
2: The shifting of pedagogies to pr- sort of the problem-based learning and the authentic learning, although exceptionally valuable, have also lent ourselves to really celebrate and want to encourage students to be that active voice in group situations, that extroverted learner in group situations. And we inadvertently take that introverted learner, that quiet learner, to maybe think that they're not being productive in group settings or aren't contributing enough to these authentic learning situations. And that's one of those things when you sort of shift pedagogy. It's like the law of unintended consequences. No one's trying to alienate introverted learners. But in this big swing to more group-oriented, you know, the idea of like, you hear on Twitter, people talk, well, we don't want a quiet classroom. Well, why would you not at some point? Aren't some students who need that quiet space? But that's the the safe thing to say, and no one's going to call you on that, right? That learning should be loud and and lots of talk and lots of discussion. But not everyone is actually going to have productive and valuable rich learning in that type of environment and so there's nothing wrong with those moments but to think that those are the only things that define great learning and rich learning and in this authentic learning we have kids all over the place and moving and talking and sharing and blah 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 which Are important but we've placed so much emphasis on that that we have inadvertently the law of unintended consequences forgotten about our introverted learners and possibly left them looking for a safe space looking for their role looking for their space in the classroom dynamics and so our introverted learners are really where we want to talk about today make sure that we're aware of they're in our classes they're in our spaces and not that we are maliciously trying to exclude them from the learning, but the law of unintended consequences, they are being missed in some of our problem-based learning, our group learning, our overemphasis, not even necessarily overemphasis, our emphasis on this has neglected them.
1: Um, I think that something that we should come back to is is taking a look at how each person falls on this uh, introverted to extroverted spectrum because essentially it is a spectrum. Um, you and I have talked about this, that uh, you and I both fall on different parts of this spectrum of introvertedness and extrovertedness. I feel like I am an introvert in, in many regards, and you have also expressed the same thing. They may not necessarily be the same, the same things. Like I find myself to be a a little bit more socially extroverted, but I I require a little bit more uh, introversion and a lot more reflection in order to Cognitively make sense of a lot of things that are happening in my world. I need that time to disconnect from everything. Uh, everything. I just need some silence in order to, you know, make sense of everything that's happening in my world in that day, um, in that moment, whatever the case may be. And I think that the way the pedagogy is going, um, it starts with our space, our physical space in our rooms. I know many of us are starting to really change up the way that we set up our classrooms so that we have uh, specific spaces that are set up for You know, for a little bit of reflection, for a little bit of quiet time, for a place where you can go, where you need to have a little bit of that uh, space for possibly some introverted learners in our classroom. And, um... And having the space set up that way really invites students to feel more comfortable with being themselves in in however they want to be as learners. You have places in the room where, you know, you can have a little bit more collaboration happening, and then you have some spaces in the room where if students just need to go and sit and think and uh, reflect on something that they may have learned uh, to cement it in their minds, um, then that should be available to them. And so I think that taking a look at that, you know, taking a look at yourself as a learner, knowing where you fit on that spectrum, and that that takes a long time to figure out. And then possibly having the space set up for you that that works very well in terms of learning in the classroom.
2: You know what you said a lot of good things, eh? A lot of good things take a lot of notes.
1: Sometimes I do that.
2: A lot of times you do that. <laughs> if, oh, you could I'm see. I'm going to stop that was that's A lot of times you know what's going on. <laughs> you brought up a lot of good points. I love the one about the quiet spaces and the quiet zones, and it reminded me to a class activity we did in my room this year, it was the construction of the creative classroom. And we'd watched, we'd done some reading, watched some videos, had primed ourselves, and kids had to make a floor map. And it was revealing and telling and validating when I had so many groups really indicate that they wanted a quiet space. They identified that that was important to their learning that they wanted that quiet space they wanted that quiet zone and they wanted activities that really allowed that to happen and made that the the source of of importance in those activities and one thing when we talk about our introverted learner back as teachers we want to be comfortable with the idea of students working alone we want to be comfortable with the idea that students want to work quietly and that we can set up activities where there is quiet And it's not necessarily okay to have a buzz. We want to make sure we create environments and we know we can justify them. saying, I do want some quiet time for this task because my introverted learners want that time to reflect, think, be introspective. And so us as teachers want to be comfortable understanding why we do need some of that work alone time or students really desire that work alone time and some quiet time. And it's just that idea of listening, observing, self-reflecting. And then getting involved or then displaying their learning is common traits of, of, of introverted students. And so and not so much for us to tell you what introverted students are, it's about how we can build classrooms or what as teachers, how can we can be comfortable with setting up and designing lessons and learning opportunities where we know we are accommodating for that type of student. And so when we talk about that introverted student, not all introverted students are necessarily quiet. And I know this is why this topic was really important to me. Because as you said, I'm a really boisterous personality. I can be. But ultimately, it's almost like I'm a little bit of a stage on stage, as much as that really is a, is a trait that I don't particularly like in many fields. I realize as personal, as a teacher, as an educator, I use it as a cover-up for a lot of my very introverted tendencies, i really don't get a lot of satisfaction working with people not because i don't like working with people it's so uncomfortable for me to sit and be around and work in those groups i'm much more comfortable being by myself and so how do i contribute to groups or how do i contribute in those scenes i'm actually the opposite i'm not quiet and reserved i'm animated i'm over the top i'm actually going on the flip side of the coin that i'm making myself still isolated but being isolated by being so extroverted and so ultimately i don't really like a lot of that group work per se but for me I am really over the top, but I know for myself in my introspection, my over the top is a way of covering up just how difficult situations are for me, just how much anxiety I have being in groups. So when you're a teacher, we don't necessarily just want to look for the three traits, oh, he's quiet, or oh, she's quiet, they must be introverts. You Dive a little deeper and don't just assume that those are the character traits that identify introverted students so we want to make sure we're building lessons and ideas and tasks in our in our class that just tap into the introverted learner and not just necessarily thinking these are my three introverted students you may have introverted students in your room that are using a variety of different character traits to mask a lot of the anxiety that comes with constantly being asked to work in groups or share your answers etc etc
1: Right. Um, so just before we introduce our uh, three enlightened minutes guest, uh, Che, you said a lot of very important things. Um, we, we do really need to highlight the fact that introverted learners are not antisocial. This doesn't mean the same thing. Right. So um, I would I would agree that you are you are an introvert, um, mostly because I've gotten to know you now. That would not be my first impression of you. I would see you as a very uh, extroverted person. But now that I know you a lot better, I know that that's uh, that that you are. Um, But in the same way that I am, um, I would not classify myself as an antisocial person. I am very social, but I, I really, really need that time to reflect in solitude. And I really, really need to be able to consolidate things that are happening in my mind just by myself. And I need it. And I know that many of us fall on that spectrum in many ways, and at different times. And so we we do need to set up our spaces in that way. Um, But, you know, what we do need to do right now is take a little break for maybe some self-reflection and some solitude, and uh, and introduce our three enlightened minutes guest, who is Dr. Chris Saldana, and uh, he is somebody that we have met on Twitter, and we have really, really gotten to know each other very well, and um, and and you know we've become we've become friends essentially. So not
2: essentially, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, so we're going to listen to Chris talk in his three enlightened minutes and, um, and he's got some amazing things to say about his one word and, uh, some really, some really good stuff. Trey, do you have anything else to add?
2: I'll add afterwards, but yeah, we're really excited to hear Chris because we've made so many amazing connections with him and his words are going to be authentic and genuine. And I can't wait to, to hear Chris's three enlightened minutes.
3: Hello, Staff Rune Podcast subscribers. I am Dr. Cristobal Saldana, and these are my three enlightened minutes. Currently, I serve as as an assistant principal at Pflugerville High School, just outside the Austin area in Texas. I am currently in year eight of being an administrator and year 18 as an educator. I am so thankful for Pav and Che for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit about myself and my blog, One Step EDU. I am passionate about all things education. I am passionate about leadership practices, special education, English learners, college readiness, etc. You name it, I probably have a soapbox for it. On my blog, I discuss a variety of issues. Mostly, it's a discussion of my journey as an educator, where I have been, where I am, and where I am going. A lot of times I write about things I want to keep in mind as an educational leader so that when I get to a place where I can implement changes and practices, I have a record of the lessons I learned along the way. That brings me to the here and now. This will serve as One Step EDU blog post number 33, an audio blog, the first of its kind for One Step EDU. So today I want to revisit a couple of my previous posts but discuss them in relation to one another. One of the first posts I published was entitled, Have Courage, Be Kind. If you have heard that phrase before, and it isn't from my blog, then you probably re- remember that it is from the live-action Disney Cinderella film. Have Courage, Be Kind really struck a chord with me after watching that movie, and until recently, I thought that the Have Courage part applied to having confidence in yourself and your, your ability which, to be fair, does in fact imply, but that's not the only area it applies. Recently, when when it came time to choose my one word for 2020, I was struggling. I thought about using words intentional, focus, commitment, many, many others. But when I reflected, I realized that these were things I was already doing, well, for the most part, and I saw an opportunity for growth. So I pushed myself out of my comfort zone and chose the word bold. What does it mean to be bold? Well, that is something I'm learning every day. It means writing wrongs as they occur. It means calling a spade a spade. It means standing for what is right, even though it might not be popular and it might cost you a promotion one day. But how does that square with having courage and being kind? A good friend of mine, Matt Foster, once tweeted, Who is a step, a step ahead of you? Who is a bit more savvy than you? Follow and learn from her. Well, when I read that, I smiled and I promptly replied, I married her. In her wisdom, my wife understood my reasoning for choosing the word bold, but she challenged me to be kind as well. The two, she argued, are not mutually exclusive. So that's my challenge. And that's the lesson I want to capture today. If you like this rambling, then you should totally check out my blog. I am always appreciative of feedback. You may not agree with everything I say, and that's fine. I would still like to hear from you. My blog can be found at onestepedu.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening. This has been Dr. Cristobal Saldana, and these have been my three enlightened minutes. Now, back to Pav and Che in the staff room.
2: Chris, thank you so much for those three enlightened minutes. And absolutely, you need to go check out Chris's blog. That's one of the places where we started to really get to know him better, was just reading so much of his work. And when you read people's work, you just get such an insight of, of who they are and how they feel about education and and Chris is a big proponent of community, community, community servant leadership and so his blog is a great starting point, great educator, great leader. We know we certainly have become friends and and he's a big supporter of ours when we put out our podcast. We always know Chris is one of the first to not only listen, but then provide great feedback. So we are so thrilled that we got to get Chris's voice heard on our podcast. And we look forward to his review on himself performing on our podcast.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yes. So you will find uh, all of uh, Chris's uh, details in our uh, description, our episode description, as well as a link to his blog so that you can check that out as well. Uh, But now what we're going to do is... uh, Take a break? (laughs) We just took a break. We can't take another one. Uh, (laughs) We're going to talk... Oh. a little bit about uh, how we use, um, you know, some different techniques in our classroom so that we can reach everybody um, at different times and in different ways so that uh, everybody has a chance to really display themselves the fullest and shine and uh, progress and, and, and make their mark, essentially. So uh, why don't you take us into some examples, Che? I know you've got a couple of really good ones.
2: Well, we talked about making sure that as a teacher, we're comfortable with students working alone, students working quietly, um, the idea that students are going to be self-reflective, but we also do need to engage in collaboration. How do we get the the quiet learner, the introvert, to feel like they can still be introverted but still engage in collaborative activities? And so ultimately, we don't want to get ourselves caught with sort of problem-based learning or authentic learning or group situations where we don't have a little bit of guidelines, a little bit of structure, a little bit of modeling of, of scenarios, or a little bit of... Um, coaching it along to allow students to feel increasingly more comfortable in group situations. So let's take, for example, even if we want to take up a question in class, one say we want to have some authentic discussion or some courageous conversation, and we'd done a, a writing prompt or uh, I had watched a video that sparked conversation. And ultimately, instead of just jumping in per se, into a large group discussion, there's a variety of different ways we can get our learners to build up to a large group discussion. So we could have our students write down some thoughts on some sticky notes and then share your sticky notes with your partner or just have a little pair share. Then you can turn those pairs. You can say, all right, groups, now you got your twos. Let's dot team up with another group. We'll make a group of four. Share your answers. You can either share your answers orally or you can pass around your sticky notes. Just give a little bit of options so it's not necessarily totally structured and then from four we can divide into eight and then you can progress and you can walk around and again you can keep those contexts of pass around your little sticky note responses or share your responses and build confidence up build collaboration up and not make it so dependent on you have to necessarily talk in this moment you sort of you watch your video you did your prompt summarize that on a sticky note or have it in your mind um, in my class, I always have kids with scrapbooks. So they always have scrapbooks out so that when they go around in conversation, they can share their scrapbook or they can share their thoughts. And then if you're building that up slowly, you can get to a class discussion where when people are contributing and responding, it's not necessarily for the first time. And the students that rush up and that are comfortable in those large group situations, they dominate the conversation. And sometimes as teachers, we think they're dominating the learning or they have displayed the learning at the highest level. But ultimately, their skill set is being able to respond in large groups right away. And so we want to build that up slowly, model that, coach that up, working in groups of two, giving multiple options. That's a great way to set up a response to make sure our introverted, introverted learners are just feeling connected to the activity.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think the, the key thing that you mentioned here was the building up. And, you know, the building up really has to start on day one. And, uh, you know, I I have always hated Going to workshops or going to uh, conferences or wh- wherever we are in class in settings where we are in groups, I've always hated icebreakers. Icebreakers have been the ultimate, um, you know, anxiety-inducing event for introverts. I feel like, and and it's not because we're antisocial; it's because we feel like we are put into a situation where we're being being forced to collaborate with sometimes people that you have never met before. And that's a very, very difficult situation. So I have stopped um, using icebreakers in my classroom in, in a traditional sense. I still do in a, in a way, but um, as you mentioned, Che, in, in a very similar way, I don't force any sort of communication with one another or you know, a, a situation where you have to produce something to present. You know, because that can be very anxiety-inducing. I can think of
2: one. Turn to the person beside you and shake their hand and introduce yourself. Oh. Uh, that's a hard pass. Oh,
1: you know what's even worse is uh, then tell everybody one thing that you've learned about that person oh my gosh, there's some, There's nothing worse for me than that situation because I have a hard time even focusing on the fact that I'm going to have to speak to all these people and now you're asking me to remember something? That's That's very difficult for me, especially when I'm in a room full of strangers. So I have, um, I have developed a, a sort of way to build on that in my classroom at the start of the year. And I did this with all of my classes at the beginning. I turned my icebreaker essentially or my team building activity into a... Um, a physical task, um, a physical task that involves a little bit of science because this is the rotary subject that I teach. And I created um, kind of like a Scrabble game, a letter game, where we we took a bunch of of random letters, I placed them in different baskets all over the field outside, you know, in September it's still very nice and uh, we can go outside and run around a little bit uh, and enjoy the weather. Place them in baskets and then students are put into random teams. Uh, random groups and then you have to go and uh, when I blow the whistle you've got three minutes to go and get as many letters as you can from all the different areas around the field Uh, bring them back to your spot at the end of three minutes you have another two minutes to now make the longest possible correctly spelled word you don't have to really talk all that much Except to communicate the fact that maybe you spelled something wrong or maybe, you know, I have a letter here. The differences in this situation, when you feel like you can assert yourself a little bit more, um, you've gotten to know people a little bit better, but you don't really need to communicate with them. You can start to build a little bit of communication with them. You can start to feel a little bit more comfort and it's fun. You don't have to tell anybody what you're doing. You don't have to even come to the teacher and say, look at this, look at what I'm doing. Is this right? Is this wrong? It, it's just a little bit of fun. And I found that that has really, really helped in building up some of even the most introverted learners in my classroom to get them to open up a little bit and trust some more of their peers.
2: You know, this is why my gym classes are so tough to run in September.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because they're already exhausted right. when they get to you. And,
2: and I go outside and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to play soccer today. Oh no, I'm not. <laughs> the field's in use, and there's some other person out here with a whistle blowing their whistle, telling <laughs> kids right. to run around.
1: I remember all of those cut eye looks in September. A lot of some... shoulder
2: shrugs, saying, I'm a gym guy, eh?
1: <laughs> what are you doing out here? What are you doing? Get back, <laughs> get
2: it up back upstairs, eh? You Do some should... icebreakers. Tell those kids to just turn to each other and say, Oh, how my name is so and so.
1: You're more than welcome to run your gym program out of my science lab. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe yeah. next week. Maybe next week. You
2: can go outside next week when it's minus 15.
1: Yeah, sure. Okay, sounds good.
2: We haven't talked about tech. I think we should talk about tech in, yeah. in supporting our introverted learners as it. a way of doing group work um, where you can take your, your prompt or your question or your discussion. And if you're using blogs and Google Docs, it's a, I like blogs. Um, Google Docs are great, but I like the live, the live anticipation of the blog where everyone can see everyone's work. Because really, when you do a lot of take-up, you, you tend to get the same four or five kids that dominate conversation. And when you do blogging, and you sort of use the same question, so I've sort of differentiated between these type of tasks, is that you start to see the stronger voices. There's other students that are going to dominate the conversation on the blog. And I always, that was one of my early eye-openers to the power of differentiation and seeing how other students can be the star. Not that they, it's not about making them a star, but you, they shine in different situations, and ultimately the blog was really good for that because you could give a prompt and you would get a lot more participation, but you got participation from people that are students you really hadn't seen it from in sort of those other traditional situations, and you sort of assumed that they weren't contributing or weren't into the lesson, and then the blogging and the live interaction, people could see everyone's responses, really opened it up, and their ability to question each other on the blog, really interactive, really opened it up. To really see that engagement, that introspection, that deep thought, and so using our tech using blogging to answer questions was really a great way to tap into those introverted learners
1: yeah that 's right so i think jay uh, we 've mentioned we 've talked about a lot of really important stuff, and i and I called this in the me, in the beginning of the episode that this we 're going to have a lot to talk about. this is such a huge topic, this is so big, we have so many different uh, strategies and ways to really get to our uh, introverted learners in our classroom. Uh, so maybe we can continue the conversation on Twitter, you know, give us your feedback, tell us what you think, tell us what we missed, tell us what we we should have really considered and, and maybe we didn't during the episode. Um, so let's continue that conversation.
2: Absolutely. You know, at the end of this, we want to get to, it wasn't really about identifying introverted learners. Right. It was about, understanding that as a teacher we have those introverted learners and being comfortable and confident structuring lessons and learning opportunities that we're okay with some work alone time some right. quiet time kids being self-reflective that everything didn't always have to be noisy time group work or everyone's engaged and sort of um, no guideline group work not necessarily great for introverted learners so mm-hmm. we just wanted to walk away feeling comfortable and confident that I have introverted learners in my room, and they might not all display the same character traits, but I want to devise lessons and opportunities to really allow the introverted learner to engage as an introvert, but also ways of getting them to to collaborate and feel comfortable and confident in their collaborations.
1: Absolutely. And and essentially, even starting by setting up your classroom, start thinking about maybe setting up a space in your classroom where introverted learners might feel a little bit more comfortable. But uh, that's our episode for today. And uh, we thank you for joining us. And we thank you for, uh, you know, communicating with us in so many different ways. And uh, we're so thankful that everybody continues to connect with us in in so many different ways. Um, So that is our episode, Jay.
2: Remember to inspire, don't require.
1: Always be a humble servant.
2: And education never dies.
0: You've been listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav, written, performed and produced by Che Cheney and Pav Wanda in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Che and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also, check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. Be sure to join Che and Pav next week because there's always something to talk about in the staff room.